I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spirituals podcast on the Be Here Now Network. And I'm very excited today to have my guest, Stan Tatkin. Um, hi, Stan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure and an honor. And uh, first of all, I want to read your bio. And then I'm uh, okay. really excited to uh, dive into a couple of your books. I know you have more than these published, but there's two main books um, that I have that I'm really excited to explore with you. So first of all, let me start out by, again, the bio, which is Dr. Stan Tatkin, um, PSYD MFT, is a couple therapist known for his pioneering work in helping partners from happy, secure, and long-lasting relationships. His method, called PACT, which is Psychobiological Approach to Couple Therapy, draws... Uh, thank you. <laughs> Draws on principles of neuroscience and teaches patterns to become what he terms secure functioning. Together with his wife, Tracy Bodelman Tatkin, PhD, Dr. Tatkin founded the PACT Institute to train psychotherapists and other professionals how to incorporate his method into their practices with couples. Therapists from all over the world are being trained in his breakthrough approach. Dr. Tackin has a private practice in Calabasas, California, and is an assistant professor at the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine, Department of Family Medicine. He is the author of several books, including the best-selling Wired for Love and Wired for Dating, published by New, or New Harbinger. And those are the two books we'll be discussing today. Um, so David, or Stan, I don't know why I just said David. Uh, My brother's Stan, name is David. May, wow, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. He's, he's tuning into my mind somehow. My, belo- my beloved brother. <laughs> well, hello, David, if he happens to listen. There you go. <laughs> well, Stan, for, again, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Um, and so what I wanted to start with was... Um, one of your, so like I mentioned, Wired for Love is one of your books. Wired for Dating is another, amongst others. Wired for Love came out first. So I figured 
we would start a bit there before moving into Wired for Dating. Um, and as you and I were speaking prior to this recording, um, I'm personally very interested uh, in having this conversation because uh, I was divorced a month or uh, not a month, a year and a half ago. Seems like a month. It's, it really does. <laughs> um, and, you know, just started dating again over the last couple of months. And uh, boy, you know, dating for me, is it's it's a strange thing. It's been a long time. So um, anyway, so I mean, it, it, in your book, you talk a lot about what's called secure functioning relationship. Um, and you even developed this 10 commandments for a secure functioning relationship. And it sounds like something I could have used you know, prior to in my last marriage. Um, can you tell me what secure functioning relationship is and why it is significant in relationships? So secure functioning basically means that two people or more, but two people uh, decide that they are going to be fully collaborative, cooperative, uh, uh, fair, just, and sensitive. In other words, we expect two-person uh, systems to operate as a two-person psychological system based on those principles. Uh, if you consider a couple the smallest unit of a society, which is, which if you think about it, uh, there is no smaller. Uh, uh, you know, a, a one person does not a society make. Right. So basically, this uh, these ideas of uh, you know basically coming from social contract theory, these ideas have been around for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, it is sort of the basis of what our constitution should be, right. uh, and and what religions have tried to do for you know over the millennia to try to control human behavior. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, we may not be around as a species. Right. 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 So, so we, we see people who are in secure functioning relationships all over the world, all stripes of, of life, whether they're on the street and homeless uh, or they're cop car partners or they're in the military. Sure. Uh, uh, it's just basically people understanding that they need each other in order to survive. Okay. And so can you talk a little, about, a little bit about these Ten Commandments? Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't know I wrote the uh, Ten Commandments. Um, what I did, what I did write for a, a, a compilation, a book, an edited book of couple experts, um, Jeffrey Zeig uh, asked for uh, everyone's Ten Commandments, uh, and so I wrote mine, and somehow that that got <laughs> put out there as my Ten Commandments. Uh, yeah, it's actually something I had to do on deadline, but. I'm glad to say what it is. Sure. Uh, it it basically it has to do with if if you had your set of principles. I, I think of them as uh, shared principles of governance. You know, what, what do we believe in? What what do we point to in terms of our vision? We're two separate people, two separate minds. Uh, we we want different things at different times. So how do we get along and how do we move together? Well, we agree on things that everybody would probably agree on if they thought about it long enough, like um, we put the relationship first. That might be an agreement. It might not be. But you and I would have to be sure that we are on the same page with that because if I said – we put our relationship first, and you said we put my work first, mm. then we would have a, a, lo a lot of trouble, right? So that would right. make sense. And if that's true, 
then we might have other principles like um, <clears throat> we tell each other everything. We're fully transparent with each other. And of course, there has to be a challenge to that in terms of why is that a good idea for me and you. So we're talking about principles here that uh, fulfill a personal good and a mutual good. It has to be good for me and you or it can't work. Right. Like thou, thou shalt not kill cannot be, you know, if I feel like it. Um, or, you know, hey, look, uh, I've done so much better over the past few weeks. I only killed a few people. That wouldn't work, right? So we're talking about, uh, uh, you know, what is, as a couple, what is your vision? What is your constitution? What is your Ten Commandments? Uh, Plaque-worthy ideas that rein both of your behavior in mm. because you both agree. It's not a matter of uh, this is what I want or this is what I think it should be. We both drank the Kool-Aid on it, and we both believe in it. Therefore, breaking those principles would be uh, tantamount to saying to myself, I'm not who I say I am. Mm, gotcha. Which is, yeah, that's interesting. I, um, You know, I, I want to respect my ex's... Um, you know privacy um but i what i can say is a lot of what you just said resonated with me especially towards the end of uh our marriage so um yeah. again <laughs> wish i had these books a few years ago but uh it's yeah. good it's good to know now you know that i'm moving on with my life so um you know and you also the, go ahead sorry i'm saying that's the thing you want to do you, you know it's we often look for the person yeah. um and what we should be looking for is the relationship Right. What's the relationship? What should it be? Um, yeah. Who is going to um, agree with me on what the uh, this kind of relationship should be? That's what you should be looking for. Wow. Yeah, that's wonderfully said. And, you know, something else you talk about, which uh, I really appreciated, is rituals. And, yeah. you, you know, you talk about how they're significant, um, which, yes, uh, it seems like it, it should go without saying, but... Um, you know, when I when I was reading that, I was thinking about a lot of the couples I know, and I can't say that I know that have many rituals. I think yeah. of my parents who um, are still together. They just celebrated their 40th anniversary. And oh, uh, yeah, it's wonderful. I'm so happy because you know how rare that is these days. Yes, um, yes. But like every Friday night, unless my dad is out of town for work, um, they have a date night. So, you right. know, like, I think that's really cool that they do that. But other than that, I was thinking about a lot of the other couples I know, and, and they don't have these rituals. Um, so, you know, I was wondering if you could give some examples of what couples might do and explain why that's significant in a relationship. Well, for the, for the human primate, one of the things we know is that separations and reunions are significant. Um, sure. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, uh, reuniting after being away, um, coming into the house um, from outside to inside, home, not home, that people can actually uh, avoid a lot of trouble, a lot of fights if they simply reunite properly when coming home. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is belly to belly, skin to skin. And in this instance, the game is I don't let go of you until I feel you fully relaxed and you don't get uh, let go of me until I, you feel that I fully relaxed. And then mm -hmm. we go about our business. Now, the reason for this it has to do with psychobiology, the study of the, uh, the brain and the body. Sure. When two people um, do this uh, in this manner, 
what happens is that they average each other's nervous systems out. Um, if I'm very excited and revved up from outside, you're very calmed down from inside. We're just in different states. Right. Uh, uh, if we don't align a little bit, we will see the house differently. We will see everything differently because sure. this is really important. State drives memory. Memory drives state. And state always alters perception. And so if we don't do this, we're liable to uh, crash into each other. And not only do, uh, do we not get along, but our things don't seem to get along with us, our children, our pets, and so on. So it's yeah. a little bit of time to do a lot. Um, that's one ritual. The other is to put each other to bed at night. For children and adults, nighttime and morning are the two most vulnerable, vulnerable times. Uh, that's one. Uh, there's a signal to noise issue, right? The signal has now gone down. We're not talking. We're not active, and all the noise, flotsam and jetsam, you know, begins to come up to the mind, and we're transitioning to unconsciousness. So, uh, uh, people don't realize how this actually changes our sleep for the better. It helps our next day for the better, and how it is healthful uh, for us to do co-sleeping. Uh, and so those are uh, at least, you know, two, three rituals that are that can make life much easier, can change the way people operate during the nighttime and during the day, even if even if people ha did not have any time during the day to mm -hmm. spend much, uh, uh, you know, be able to spend with each other. Yeah, that's great. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, it's something else you talk about, and I think this is this might be one of the most important <laughs> parts of our conversation. And uh, at least, you know, speaking personally, but again, okay. uh, uh, knowing a lot of people I know and, and their relationships, you have an entire chapter in Wired yeah. for Love uh, talking about fighting well. You know, yeah. it's devoted to how to have a good fight, and I mean it. it it seems almost obvious why it's important, but you know, I, I, I'll be totally transparent. I, um, in my earlier years and even, you know, in, in my last marriage, there were points where there were not good fights. Luckily we, we did grow together and learn to communicate yeah. better. And I'm very grateful for that. It obviously didn't save the marriage, but, um, you know, things did get better in many regards, but so, can you give some tips about how to fight well? Sure. And let me just say something about that. Yeah. But much of what I write about and what I teach about isn't uh, about you or me or, uh, you know, Bob or Carol. Mm -hmm. It is everybody. Of course. Um, uh, we, we don't really understand. Most of us don't understand how the, the human mind works. Sure. And its fallibilities. So. Uh, one of the things that that will happen when we break up, uh, and it's I think it's an important function, although it sucks, and that is the feeling of regret. You know, I could have, I should have. Why didn't I? What went wrong? What did I? You know, uh, uh, and the 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 importance of regret is that it makes us learn um, mm. for the future. We get wiser, better at this. Yeah. Um, um, and it's still never perfect, but we right. get better. So. I just wanted to say, say that. No, I appreciate having, that. Having, having also been divorced once before yeah. and, uh, and knowing what that's like. It's a, it's a, it's a, for many people, myself included, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so back to your question about fighting well. So 
all people um, are going to, if you're a person, human being with another person, you're going to have conflict. There's no way around that. If, um, if you claim that you have no conflict, then uh, we call that conflict avoidant, mm. um, which actually is quite threatening to people. But I, I won't get into that just yet. Sure. Fighting well means that, uh, that you know that uh, fighting exists, um, arguing exists. The question is, how friendly are you um, when you're fighting? How aware are you of your partner's face, body, voice uh, changes? In other words, are you um, sitting face to face or are you at a distance or side to side? We know that uh, you know, if you're going to get into anything that is very difficult, you want to be dead on face-to-face, at close proximity, eye-to-eye. That's the only way that we can adequately co-regulate each other. Otherwise, our brain is playing tricks on us and we're liable to escalate. So the big trick here, the big problem, is in any kind of dispute, how to keep your partner from feeling threatened. Because if your partner feels threatened, Mm. you will become threatened. Um, That's how we operate. That's how we roll. The, these things happen <clears throat> happen at lightning speeds, uh, and we have a uh, we have a, a brain that operates almost entirely according to memory, and it is lightning fast. This part of the brain that's memory based, recognition based, is so fast that we mostly don't know what we're doing or why. So the the thing we have to do is slow down, watch our partner like a hawk. We're looking for changes in the face, in the eyes, in the voice, and uh, and we never want uh, either of us to get to a point where we begin to um, lose that capacity to think, and then we just go into fight and flight, and then it's game over. Mm. So this is everybody. It's not just this is this is not particular to anybody. This is everybody. Sure. So face to face, eye to eye, and. Uh, and both people have to, uh, in some manner, think in this way. I have to take care of you at the same time I take care of myself. Yeah. If I don't, I get nothing. Mm. As soon as I start to, uh, as soon as I start to argue only for myself, I become a dangerous character. Yes. We'll square off, and now we will fight, and we will get nothing. Yeah. Well, you know, what's, what I'm thinking about is uh, what I used to do, and again, I throw myself under the bus all the time on this show, so <laughs> I just, I use myself as an example, um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, prior to my marriage, and, and even during the early stages of it, something I struggled with deeply was shutting down. It was, you know, if a disagreement started and then turned into like a full blown argument, um, I would try to hang in there, but after maybe five plus minutes, um, it was like, I just, I completely shut down and you know, I, I, I couldn't even argue. It was, it was just there. I I was blank. There was nothing. And that's something I'm exceptionally grateful to my ex-wife for because she helped me learn to grow out of that. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, what what happens? Because I'm sure I'm not the only one that no, that's that's happened. So what's happening when that and, and I'm sure it's not just men. Maybe, you know, it happens for women, too. But it, in your experience, if, if you are care to speak to this, you know, what's going on there and what can people do 
to help begin to 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 not shut down and and uh, I know you already started to cover this a bit yeah. in your previous answer but um you know in that specific instance um you know what what can people do to pull themselves out and and be there and be present so here's how it works in a two person system like this yeah uh, it's different than friendships it's different than any other relationship this is the relationship the love relationship that's most like the earliest one that we had with our mother or father and uh and so that's why it's difficult because it has a very very long history to it uh, we become proxies for everybody who came before in every experience. So there are some people who um, who had to adapt in an environment where they uh, could not uh, stay engaged. Somebody mm. bullied them. Somebody shut them down. Uh, the relationships didn't come first in that family. And, uh, and so kids adapt to the environment they're born into. And it may be that there's a feeling of I will always lose. I cannot win. I cannot influence this person. Mm -hmm. And for many people who feel that way, their only option is to flee. Mm -hmm. um, and some people freeze. They lock up. So the purpose of, a, of an adult relationship is that we're in each other's care. And rather than you be responsible totally for unfreezing and not going away, um, you're in my care, and therefore I should know you. Um, I should be a Chris whisperer. You should be a Stan whisperer. Hmm. And I should know how to get you out of that thing. So I should know, hold on. Uh, wait a second, sweetheart. Stop. Don't back away. Stay with me. Hmm. Um, or I might say, am I doing that thing again? Am I making you, uh, am I coming on too strong? Or, or, or. Because this is a two-person system where, where, we manage each other, not ourselves. It's the most efficient way to do it psychobiologically. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The sure. other is that uh, uh, that people lose sight of what they're engaging for. What is the purpose? What are you trying to achieve? That's mutual, not just for yourself, right? We're, right. we're moving in tandem. It's a it's like a three legged potato sack race. Um, if one of us falls down, we both fall down. So we have to work together. Therefore, we, we pick one thing that we're trying to get to move forward on, and we, we commit to providing relief to one another. So it has to be win-win. Therefore, right. if you're backing out, I can say, hey, wait a second, we're not done. Let's get this finished and let's go have lunch. I want you to get something out of this too. I know that you are afraid that I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Right. I understand that. But I'm afraid you're going to just drop this whole thing and then and then uh, that'll make me very frustrated. So stay with me. Mm. Um, uh, so in other words, we hold each other in, we get it done, um, and we uh, are always uh, trying to create a win-win situation. That's, that is what we consider complex social-emotional intelligence. Uh, everybody... Uh, has their thing. Um, we remember being in these situations before, and then we act and react very quickly. Shoot first, ask questions later. Right. So we get into this situation. You recognize this from memory. You start to remember how it feels. You start to show uh, and behave in a certain way that threatens me. I don't know what you're feeling, but I have a sense uh, you're going to be trouble. And now I'm acting in a way I'm going to be trouble. Maybe I come on too strong and you withdraw. And now the games begin. Yeah. So this is human nature. This is the human condition. Right. And it takes two people to help 
both uh, people do what they're not good at to, to help the other. Mm, very Does well. It makes perfect sense. And and that leads me back to what I was saying was, you know, I hold that gratitude for my towards my ex-wife because she was present for me in that way and uh, yeah. and helped, you know, pull me out. And and not to say that, you know, every argument was perfect, but she did help teach me um, to not completely shut down like that because of what you just described. So, right. um, yeah, that was wonderful. I appreciate you breaking it down like that. Um, I'm sure many listeners will benefit from hearing that. Um, you know, and something else I find super interesting that you talk about is you, you say it's important for long-term and new couples alike to understand that dating is forever. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, I, I think w what I mean uh, about that is not uh, dating. It depends on how you think of dating, by the way. Sure, sure. Uh, if you think of dating as uh, having your, your teeth drilled um, or your <laughs> you know, uh, needles in your eyes, then, of course, who, who wants that? Right. Or if you think of it, oh, this is just a one-time thing and I should never have to do it again, uh, that's another. I'm too old to do that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not the dating type. All these things, I think, are n not good ways of thinking about it. Um, dating could also be thought of as a, uh, a way to build skill in loving people, in getting to know people, in learning about people, in sleuthing, um, uh, learning how to, uh, to read people, read their tells, uh, to Sherlock them. Uh, that is a very interesting uh, process and one that uh, usually leads to a real appreciation of other human beings. So if you are going out and you're meeting people, uh, whether it's for a job or whether it's for a date or whether it's for whatever, the same thing applies. How, um, how do you pay attention? How, what do you look for? How mm. present are you? Are you in your own head? Are you worried about your own performance, your appearance? And if so, um, uh, this would be a good practice ground to get out of that. It would be a good way, even if you never saw that person again, it would be a good way to how to learn about somebody very quickly. Mm. Uh, my wife and I love people. Uh, we like watching couples in the wild. We like getting to know people very quickly. Um, we probably in another life would have loved to have been spies, you know, uh, <laughs> or detectives, you know, we just, we love the observation and we love, we love the, the, you know, the, the information sure. that we can gain by just observation. So, uh, so it is. It is not about um, uh, just what we think it is. Uh, uh, you know, dating is uh, is about meeting new people, being interested, um, being yourself, and getting as much information as you can without looking obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, very well said. <laughs> and that actually segues really nicely into something that you talk about um, and, you know, is very applicable to me right now. And again, I'm sure many of our listeners, but you, you talk about how, you know, for people that are single and dating. Yeah. Right here. Check mark. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you debunk a number of common relationship myths 
And I'm going to name a number of them. And, you know, sure. if, if there's just like one or two or three, however many, if you want to discuss them, I, I, I think that'd be very beneficial for the audience. Sure. But let me name a few of them and then uh, I'll let you just take it wherever you want to go. Okay. Um, and, let me, and let me know if any of the myths uh, surprise you or disappoint you. Okay. Well, I, well the ones that I have listed, <laughs> um, I kind of relate to pretty much all of them. But uh, so love is all you need to make a relationship succeed is one. You have to love yourself before you can love someone else. Yeah, let's debunk. Let's go. Let's go one by one here. Okay, sure. So uh, let's do that. Okay, so uh, so no, uh, nature uh, does not care about long term relationship. People have to understand that nature cares about uh, about procreation, uh, survival of the species, and mixing the gen- gene pool. Uh, that means that out in the wild, human beings uh, mate. Um, for and they stay together for about four years to protect their offspring, and then they move on or they die, uh, and they mix up the gene pool with somebody else. That's that's the way it is. Sure. So enter our modern times where we live longer and we have different uh, 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 ideas about life. Um, long-term relationship isn't about that groovy, good feeling you have in the beginning. That is being on drugs. Um, a long-term relationship is really. Uh, uh, either imposed by religion, families, uh, uh, money conditions, all sorts of other conditions, or it's uh, uh, an adult concept of secure functioning. In other words, there is a radical loyalty to each partner. Uh, uh, the loyalty, the truthfulness, the, uh, the devotion to each other's well-being, safety, and security – is what gives rise to to a different kind of love that is sustaining. If that love is not there, the relationship won't be happy and uh, may or may not uh, last very long. There are certain rules by which relationships must follow. Otherwise, uh, uh, people will be unhappy. They'll die sooner because the kind of stress that people experience in love relationships, if it is uh, too much, uh, is really toxic uh, to uh, to uh, every organ in the body. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're talking here about mature love, um, and that is uh, something that is earned every day. Um, uh, that is earned every day because of what people do, how they act, what they're willing to give up for each other, what they're willing uh, to do for each other. Uh, have each other's backs, protect each other in public and private, know each other, uh, be experts on each other. All of this stuff goes towards making those partners irreplaceable. Sure. But that takes a certain understanding. So love, no, is never enough. Okay. And so then moving on to the next one, and this is one that um, I feel like it's just, I hear it all the time, whether it's in spiritual circles or just, you know, wherever to be honest um you have to love yourself before you can love someone else um yeah yeah, so tell me why like i i i'm very curious to hear your your take on that well let's just let's just take uh let's just take an infant uh when Mm. an infant comes out you say the baby uh you know baby i'll love you as soon as you learn to love yourself um come back to me when you do okay um okay that's not going to happen right uh where does someone go before being in a relationship to learn to love themselves, if not in a relationship? We learn to love ourselves in relationships, not outside of them. 
Right. We don't learn to love ourselves in a cave or in a book or a workshop. This is done constantly um, in, in each relationship. Our sense of self is constantly being formed and reshaped with our relationships. We are, in many sense, our relationships. And so this idea of just taking a pause and work on yourself before you get in one, well, how are you really working on yourself? Um, I have known many, many uh, um, uh, spiritually advanced uh, people, uh, one of which is uh, my teacher, mm -hmm. uh, meditation teacher. Um, and one thing I've observed across the board that uh, people who lead aesthetic lives, you know, where they're, you know, they they are uh, alone, um, and they're doing meditation, they're very good at this, better than I want to be. But as soon as they get into a real relationship, they're back to the age they were before they even started this thing. Mm. Meaning, there's nothing more difficult on this planet than another person. Nothing. Mm. And if you're not practicing now, when are you going to be? Uh, we're hurt by people and we're healed by people. It's nonsense, this idea that you got to learn to love yourself. I learned to love myself by loving another person very, very well. Mm. Um, self and other uh, is intertwined. It always will be, always has been intertwined. There is no, there is no difference between self and other in, uh, psychologically. Sure. Therefore, how we treat others and, uh, has a lot to do with how we feel about ourselves. They're in tandem. Yeah. The fact that we're in pain when we lose somebody is understandable. We want to grieve and we don't want to be in a relationship for a while. But that's different than I've got to pull myself out of here because um, um, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because that kind of mirrors something that I hear kind of off subject, but often um, you need to be healed before you can help others heal. And, you know, that's that's something I hear quite often. And it's like, well... I Think don't believe it. there's any such thing as a fully it. healed person, you know, like Think about it. Right. Life is always going to hand us sense. shit. Right. Yeah. So like in, in my books and in my workshops and, and when I speak at conferences and whatnot, I'm totally transparent about my own fuck ups and how I'm still dealing with this or I'm failing in that way, but I'm showing up and I'm doing my best each day with the understanding that you know, my best one day is going to vary from day to day, but I'm trying and I'm making the effort. Um, so yeah, when you hear that, it's like, I get the point that you need to be taking care of yourself in whatever fashion, whether it's yoga or meditation or, you know, seeing a therapist or, or whatever the case may be. But yes. I find, you know, personally, a lot of my healing comes from helping others heal, yes. you know, showing up and being of service, karma yoga, whatever you care to call it. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you, your, your, uh, take on, you know, having to love yourself before loving someone else. Many, many, many times I'll, I'll be doing uh, sessions with a couple and I'll recognize something that I am doing, uh, that I, I didn't recognize before. And, uh, you know, as I'm helping them, I go home and then I apologize to my wife and daughter, <laughs> I, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes I think as we teach and as we, uh, help others, uh, we're also actually healing ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and so what you're saying is true. It's all about relationship. It's mm. all about staying in relationship. Yeah. Um, we need to do that. And, uh, 
you know, one of the things I say a lot is all people are annoying. Um, <laughs> everyone's irritating. There is nobody who's not a pain in the ass. Sure. And there's no such thing as a low maintenance person up, up close. Mm -hmm. um, everybody is going to be high maintenance soon. So, yeah. uh, so we have a lot of nonsense in our culture, mostly coming from the idea, the distinct Western idea of uh, the do-it-yourself person. Right. Uh, Self-made person. We uh, we have a problem here in our culture about, um, uh, you know, me, I uh, and mine mm -hmm. rather than uh, back to this idea of, of we. Yeah. Um, and that we are we characters. Uh, we are we animals. Um, we don't do well on our own. We don't do anything that actually that well on our own. Yeah. Do depend on other people. And we're in in a culture still that uh, that prays to the altar of autonomy, and it's causing problems. Mm. Uh, and you can see it everywhere. Uh, myself and a lot of other couple experts are, you know, on a mission to try to change this language, but it's it's a long time coming. Absolutely, very well said. You know, there, I guess we'll, there's a number of other ones listed here. There's one more I I would like to cover before we jump into Wired for sure. Dating because we're we're a little over the halfway mark here. Oh, um, oh no no no! I, I I appreciate that we're going in depth on this because uh, this is very important stuff. Um, at least to me it is. And again, I'm I sure think so. to, I think it's important too. <laughs> yeah, it's your life's work. I hope you do. <laughs> so. Um, the, the the other point is, uh, and it kind of, again, it, it echoes the previous one, um, but it, it's a bit different. And you talk about you have to learn to take care of yourself before you can start dating. Um, I would love to hear a bit about that. Well, let me just say the absurd first. Sure. If you, um, if you can't take care of yourself at all, hmm. then you're probably not on the street anyway. You're right. probably in a hospital or in, in a jail. Of course. So. When, when I say that, uh, people take it should take it with a grain of salt. What I'm talking about here is that, again, our our ability to uh, be ourselves, to take care of ourselves, um, has to be measured um, uh, in terms of how we do that in a relationship. Mm. There are plenty of people that are able to take good care of themselves, but they can't do it in a relationship. There are plenty of people who can't, uh, who can be themselves or feel like they can be themselves, but they can't seem to do it in a relationship. Um, there are people who can't seem to uh, deal with abandonment um, in a relationship, but if they're not in any relationship, they're fine because obviously that's not being triggered. So we could say the measure of our growth and our uh, our social emotional abilities um, are measured really being in a relationship that's committed, not outside of one. That's easier. The relationship is harder. And so it's a constant learning if you're with somebody who's willing uh, to uh, point in the same direction as you, has the same idea and vision as you. If you're both willing to do that, then the amount of growth that you both can gain, can have uh, by working together is far greater than you could ever gain with a therapist who doesn't know you and can't possibly uh, recreate the, the the charge that is built into love relationships. Uh, right. Again, because of what I said, 
right. the hardest. So taking care of yourself in the relationship is the way to go. Getting out of it so you can take care of yourself doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. it's, de- it's defeatist. Um, and it is basically saying to yourself, I can't, I can't do, I can't do this. I'm hopeless. Um, there's no way that I can, uh, navigate this world and, uh, and still have what I think I have when I'm alone. Gotcha. Which is is an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well said. And, uh, something I've been experiencing myself, um, you know, you know, being single again, living by myself in an apartment. Um, but you know, I, I actually got myself back into therapy a few months back. Um, cause I realized, you know, I'm, I'm still working through that process of, uh, you know, sure. being divorced and, um, and it's been very therapeutic, well, of course, therapeutic and cathartic and, uh, very helpful. Um, but you know, it's, it, it what you said kind of echoes a lot of what my therapist has told me as well. And, you know, it's that, first of all, you're never going to be perfect. So, you know, just toss that notion out of the window and it's okay while you're working on yourself to, you know, explore the dating realm. And not that I am a fan of dating, man, it's, it's so awkward. I'm 39 and it's like, Oh, you know, like I said, it's been so long, but, um, it, it is what it is. So anyways, Start learning how to read faces. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to have fun with it, yeah. but it's awkward and I'm introverted and weird and I don't know. But anyways, it's an experience and, uh, and, uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But, um, so, so. you use your interviewing skills. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take that with me on my next date. Thank you for Abs- that. Absolutely. That, you, that you interview, that you're curious about somebody, that you want to know somebody, that is gold. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to speak for the audience out there, but I'm sure, sure there are a lot of people who are, are you know, like would be yelling at the uh, their their device right now. Um, that who doesn't want somebody who wants to uh, show interest and ask questions, uh, introverted or not, it has nothing to do with it. So it's uh, that in itself is a uh, a lovely skill. Yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, and I think I've tried to do that, but I will focus more on it. I, yeah. You know, one thing I, I've heard, you know, time and again is, you know, you want to show interest in the other person. And yeah, of course. And, and actually, I generally do. I that's why I love doing this podcast is I'm just a curious human being. And I love talking to all sorts of different people, even though I do have that introverted part of myself. Um, I'm just a student of life, you know, and uh, and I look at anyone I talk to, it doesn't matter who it is, as a teacher in one way or another. So whether it's dating or a friend or a stranger uh, in line at a grocery store, you know, it's just, uh, as Ram Dass would say, it's all grist for the mill. So yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Wired for Dating. Um, First off, in in your experience, at least, what do you see as the main problem that people who are dating experience? Well, things have changed quite a bit. So, uh, you know, dating isn't the same as it was when I uh, was dating, and uh, because now we have all these apps, right? Right. And we have um, and we have online dating, and so the nature of dating has has uh, changed. It's no longer local. 
uh, it used to be solely local. Mm. The person down the street, um, the, the, the person at school or your job, right? And now um, uh, the internet has changed all that. Yeah. Um, it's also changed the way that people uh, act towards each other, sadly, I think in some ways. And this isn't an, uh, to get into ain't it awful kind of thing. But when you have um, so many choices and so many ways of, of meeting somebody, uh, and so many reasons for doing that, um, then there's more chances, I think, for people to be injured, uh, to be hurt mm-hmm. emotionally. Uh, so there is there is that. But I, I think, um, again, that once upon a time, uh, dating wasn't so much dating as it was um, going out and having a good time with a friend uh, or somebody from school um, or going to a party uh, you know, stuff that was sort of arranged for you. Yeah. Um, and so now it's a big, big McGilla. All right. <laughs> the, the, um, the reason I wrote the book is not because I'm interested in dating. Mm. I'm interested in, uh, in people, um, finding correct, appropriate partners so they don't end up in my office. Sure. Um, for marital therapy. And that again is, uh, is about, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a person with stats, um, makes a certain amount of money? Are you looking for the, a relationship? Do you have the vision to see what the relationship should be? Um, fair, just, sensitive. We tell each other everything. We, mm-hmm. uh, I want a monogamous relationship, and this is the reason I want it. Um, I want us to uh, to be in the foxhole together. Um, I want us to see each other as uh, uh, as you know we're the bosses, we're at the head of the food chain, top of the food chain. We govern everybody. I want someone who sees it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't care how fucked up they are, as long as they're willing uh, to do this and able to do it. Sign me up. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing, and people are very short-sighted um, about their choices of mate. Uh, and, uh, and by the time it comes to them that they may have made a mistake, they're already attached and now they can, just can't, uh, quit that person. Right. And they're in for a lot of hurt. Um, so this is a, 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 a book about prevention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and that's so important. I was actually having a conversation the other day with a friend about how so many couples, and many of which I know um, yeah. are in long-term relationships, whether they're married or not. And you can just see that they are not happy, borderline miserable in some cases. Yeah. Yet it's more comfortable to be there because it's familiar than to get out of it, you know, because change, you know, we, everybody or not everybody, but most people fear change. We don't want to change things. And, you know, we'd rather sit in the, discomfort because it's familiar. Um, and, and that's sad to me. You know, I, that's why I appreciate the fact that my wife and I, uh, or ex-wife, you know, we, we split up when we did because we knew it wasn't going to work. It wasn't a vicious or, uh, you know, malicious, uh, split. It was a parting of ways. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Um, but yeah, it, it saddens me when I see people kind of caught you know, like, like you said, and, and they're just stuck there. And, and that actually leads me to something kind of along those lines. But, um, speaking of unhappy relationships, um, another thing I see happen so much and this actually was something 
that happened for me in my younger years. And I, I mean, I know my reason. Uh, I'm in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And so when I was younger and actively using, you know, I was a toxic person. And like attracts like. So I was in these repetitive, toxic relationships that never ended well, you know, and and that's unfortunate, but it was what it was many years ago. Um, but you do talk about and and aside from, you know, what I just said about addiction and recovery, just people in general, a lot of people continue to pick what you you would call the wrong partner, you know, and, and you say the faces may change, but they're basically just like the person before. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about why that happens and how someone can actually begin to break that cycle and find their way into healthier relationships? There's a, 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 a mistake out there in terms of idea that we marry our mothers and our fathers, and that's not true. Mm. What we do is we only pair bond with people uh, with whom we recognize. Mm. Um, we don't pair bond with strangers, never, ever. And so, uh, and so the chances of you picking somebody who's like the other partner you had um, is extremely high, and it's not a problem. This is a mistake that people make. Um, it's not a problem. What is a problem is that you've, you're picking somebody who has not grown, has not, does not see um, themselves, uh, is not prepared to do better, um, doesn't want to do what you're wanting to do, the kind of relationship you're wanting, and that comes from not vetting these partners with your peeps, not right. having uh, your friends and family um, vet them for, you know what, sweetheart, this this person isn't going to do it. This person is uh, still at that stage, uh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I... Uh, I'm an alcoholic, let's say, and I pick another alcoholic, does that mean I have a bad picker? No, it means that I've picked somebody who's familiar, I recognize, uh, and now the question is, do, uh, you know, do I set straight with that person what is expected, and if they want to do this or not, my way, our way, um, and can I handle that person today? Uh, maybe that's not as good of an example of uh, you know, I keep picking my father who was angry with me all the time, and I still don't know how to deal with that experience of someone being angry. Okay, is this somebody that I can do that with? Is this somebody that I must learn how to do that with? Um, so we, we get into trouble when we start to think, oh, you know, we're we're picking the same person over and over again. We're picking people who are like that, uh, make us feel a certain way, but that's where... Uh, uh, this whole business uh, of, you know, who is this person? What are they willing to do? Um, uh, I, I meet you and I tell you, okay, I don't want that in my life anymore. You say you don't want that in your life anymore. You have been sober. We're, uh, we're both on that road. We both have agreements about how we want to this relationship to go. Let's see how it goes. Um, and, and of course, uh, if you uh, don't do this, then you're fired. Um, this is a kind of thing where, again, the emphasis is on the relationship and not the person. Mm. This is how the relationship should be. Um, I don't. I never want anyone to lie to me again, uh, betray me again. That's important. Uh, the other person says, I understand. That's important to me too. 
but I'm also looking at you, and if I see any sign that you are not true blue, you're gone. Mm. Because this is the relationship I want. I want you, but not over, are you willing to do this with me in the way that we both agreed is healthy? If not, you're out. Now, just one thing about what you said, it's not laziness or comfort uh, uh, that people hold on to when they can't give uh, another person up. Mm. It is a real loss. Sure. Um, sure. We get attached. We don't want to lose anything. And even if the relationship is horrible, there's still that feeling of of terrible loss. Mm. And people will do almost anything to avoid it, even... uh, even um, do something to ensure that their life will continue to be miserable. Mm. Because um, I'd rather I'd rather not lose anything than to lose my partner according to principles I believe in. Yeah, and that's again the human condition. And that's actually a wonderful point. Thank you for saying that because you know, as you're saying it, I'm I'm thinking back to some of my older relationships where I know I stayed in them much longer than I should have. Um, because of just that, you know, the fear of experiencing that loss and that hurt and that pain. Um, so that certainly resonates for me and, uh, I think is a wonderful point. So thank you for, uh, for clarifying that. Like Uh, the song breaking up really is very hard to do. (laughs) It true indeed. So we're, it should, it should be by the way. uh, Yeah. So, so go into that a little bit. I, I, we have a few more minutes. Um, why, why should it be? Because it, it's part of our human nature to bond, to attach, mm. to not give up, to hold on. Uh, if if not, then we would have a, a, a different um, lineage in terms of our relationships and our ability to stay with children, mm. our ability to stay within communities, right, to give people more chances to um, to try better, to be a better person. If it was so easy to break up, then we would never be better people. We'd never learn anything. Um, nobody would be really safe. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be no such thing as loyalty um, or uh, devotion, right? right? Why would there be any need for, hey, I'm free of that. So that's really good, but then it's the Wild West, uh, maybe worse than that. And uh, uh, I don't think any of us want that. Right. Um, so there's a good reason for the stickiness of relationships mm. and that is because it's nature's glue that holds us together as people as uh, as uh, uh, you know communities as lovers uh, and as parents uh, and without that we would uh, all be sociopaths <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely don't want that <laughs> no we don't want that so, like I said, we have a few minutes left. I mean, there's a ton of other material we could cover, but what I like to do usually is give my guest um, the last few minutes. If there's anything I didn't cover that you would like to share with the audience, um, you know, about literally anything, um, anything that didn't come up in this conversation that uh, you would like to leave them with, I would love to give you the opportunity to do that. Sure. I, I think I'll I'll uh, I'll close with uh, uh, what I did with my TED talk, mm. um, and I'm saying it here because the only reason I did it is because I really believe it's important. Um, the human <laughs> the human condition is such that uh, that communication, and I mean uh, verbal communication, even on a good day, right. is te- is terrible. Um, people have to understand that we are misunderstanding each other. 
uh, much of the time, most of the time even, um, then we are understanding each other. It's incredibly fallible. And the, uh, the human brain, as I said, is memory-based, uh, almost fully automatic mm -hmm. every day. We don't think that much. We, uh, we operate by memory and automation. Therefore, we're making these huge, huge errors in our communication, in our hearing and seeing and so on. All of that is a problem. Our memories are not what people think. Memory is not reliable, never was, never will be. Yet we cling to it as if our memory is the correct one. We fight over it as if uh, uh, my memory is worth dying for. Uh, um, and our state of mind, um, uh, whatever it is at any time, makes our perceptions, what we smell, hear, uh, see, feel, um, it ends up being like a, a funhouse mirror. Mm. What we actually perceive is not what we think. We've never lived outside of our heads. We never will. And this is the hubris of the human being when getting into fights or when talking and claiming that their memory is correct or I told you so or um, no, it wasn't Saturday, it was Friday. Mm. All these things that people get into that... Uh, that's part of the problem that humans have, um, part of the warring problem as well. Sure. And if people just understood this and gave each other a little bit of a break here, hmm. um, uh, the messiness of the human, the fallibility of the human mind, and the fact is we never really know what is actually true. Mm -hmm. um, this is a game of perception. And if you uh, love your partner and you're secure functioning, the relationship is more important than being right. The relationship is more important than all of these things. That's a secure functioning relationship, one that lasts a lifetime and one that we should be pushing for uh, everywhere. Well, I couldn't have asked for a better way to end this conversation. That was so beautifully stated. Um, Stan, I thank you so much for your time. This has been a real pleasure. I want to let... Uh, from you too, Chris. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to let our audience know that they can find more uh, out about you at stantatkin.com. That's S-T-A-N-T-A-T-K-I-N.com. Uh, for more information on PAC trainings and therapists, they can go to thepactinstitute.com. PACT is spelled P-A-C-T. Um, you can find Stan on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Dr. Stan Tatkin. Um, also, there's the uh, PACTinstitute.com. All of these, if you're listening to this on the Be Here Now Network website, all of these links will be listed there. Is there any other links or anything else uh, you wanted to um, share? No, just if, if people will, will check out my uh, the TED Talk, I think you'll like it. So uh, you can just you just look up uh, Tatkin TED and it'll take you right to it. Beautiful. Well, Stan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work. Um, I'm really excited for the audience to hear this podcast because uh, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. I know it's helped me already. So um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm deeply appreciative. Thank you, Stan. My pleasure. Take good care. You do the same. 